45. This evening we're going to be looking at that chapter of Jeremiah, chapter 45, and the title is Comfort for the Dismayed Believer. Comfort for the Dismayed Believer. Life is difficult. I think we'll all agree with that. There are many challenges and difficulties that we all face in our lives, regardless of whether we're believers or not. And it may seem like a cliche to say, but I'm sure after Thursday evening, perhaps you're tired after work, you notice the difficulties of life. Even the world would, dis- would agree with us that life is challenging. There are difficulties. There are sufferings. Even the most wealthy amongst us, there's no escaping as there are the trials and difficulties of life. You'll notice that with the rich and the famous, even they, with all the money, with all the possessions, they cannot a- avoid the difficulties and the challenges of life. They cannot be escaped. And it can leave us as mere creatures feeling dismayed. Dismayed. Uh, and what does dismayed mean? The feeling, yes, of unhappiness, disappointment perhaps. But as I found in an old dictionary, disheartened, deprived of courage. Deprived of courage. Almost a sense of wanting to give up or perhaps a desperation to flee in another direction from the direction that you were going in. Courage departs us along a particular path. And as we look at this text this evening, I particularly feel for the young people in our day, many of them are dismayed, aren't they? Now we may say they're spoiled. <laughs> we may say they're an entitled generation. There may be some truth to that. But many of them lack the skills to deal with the challenges of life because life is extremely difficult. And when people leave the home, it's often when they usually discover it for the first time, at least in a great amount. And so people in desperation can grasp hold of many trends. They're desperate. That's why we have the trans movement and the LGBT and all the things people are desperate for a solution to the dismay that they feel inside them. Many impressionable young people, they're desperate, dismayed, but sadly they're going to the wrong solution. Sadly, they're going to the wrong source of comfort. And there's only one comfort, and I pray this evening, there's only one group of us will leave here with any comfort, believers in Jesus Christ. And as believers in Jesus Christ, We have much comfort in the scriptures. We have much comfort uh, from Christ. The enemy would love us to be dismayed. The enemy would love us to give up and drop the hands and have courage depart away from us. But we must not remain where we are. We must look to Christ. Look to him to deliver you if you are facing dismay in your own walk. We're going to look at this chapter of God's holy and infallible word. We're going to look at it under three headings. The first heading we're going to look at is this one, exposition. 
exposition. And the word exposition means to lay out something. And we're going to be laying out the reality that Jeremiah and Baruch are looking at. Uh, Verse 1 of our text reads, The word that Jeremiah the prophet spake unto Baruch the son of Neriah, when he had written these words in a book, at the mouth of Jeremiah, in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, laying out the reality of the situation that is laid out before them. What is so really bad for Baruch that he needs this, they will see a rebuke. Why does he need this comfort? Baruch was a scribe for Jeremiah. A scribe for Jeremiah. And this passage takes place during the reign of a particular ruler, Jehoiakim. Four years into his reign and things are going pretty bad. They're deteriorating rapidly, morally, spiritually. And what is coming for Judah and the people of Almighty God? Well, we need to look at the content of the word of God. We need to look at what was Baruch hearing when he was writing down from the mouth of Jeremiah. What was coming to Judah his place of home. Well, what did Baruch learn from God? In chapter 36, verse 1 of Jeremiah gives us some of the background. Chapter 36 of Jeremiah, verse 1, reads as follows. And it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that this word came unto Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, and we see the fourth year of Jehoiakim, and this is very much tied in with this. But what is in this prophecy? Well, in verse 2, it tells us of the same chapter. Take thee a roll of a book and write therein all the words that I have spoken unto thee against Israel and against Judah and against all the nations. For the day I have spoken unto thee, for the days of Josiah, even unto this day. It's not good news, is it? It is not good news. Was it encouraging news? There's very little encouragement to find for the people of God and for the people of Judah. What was going to happen? There was death and destruction that would await them unless they repented. Unless they turned to the Lord. Baruch is writing, is called on to write these things now. Not only that, but to read these things in the house of God. We're told that in the same chapter. That's pretty daunting, isn't it? It's not a popular message. It's not a message I'm sure that many would want to deliver. It was unpopular with Jeremiah. And now Jeremiah himself is not even allowed to go into the house of God. He faces much opposition. And Baruch may be thinking in his mind, Well, you weren't very successful with this message. You want me to send it now? So this is what is going on. It's bad, bad news Baruch is hearing as the scribe of Jeremiah. He has received the word of God, the truth of the situation. He knows what is going to happen. Now, there's no signs of repentance being shown in the people of God. He has to tell the people what await them if they continue on this road to destruction. 
Now, what has been given to you? What news has been given to you? What news has been given to me? What news has been declared from the word of God to us all? Is it good news? Well, first, it must be bad news. To know the direction of rebellion. That is death and destruction. And it's a wide road that leadeth there. And the only solution is to turn from that rebellion. To turn from that wide road that doesn't lead to life at all. To turning in the Messiah. The Messiah in that day who would come in the future. And we know his name as Jesus. The Christ. The Son of God. But as, the, as things stand. The situation where, where it stands. What is the word of God. Laid open to them. Well it's very very bad news. So much so that even Jeremiah. And Baruch, Baruch is helping. Cannot even go. Into the temple. Now let's think about for a second. What that generation wanted to hear. What that generation wanted to hear. And it may sound similar to our own generation. In Isaiah chapter 30 verse 10. It says this. Which say to the seers. See not. And to the prophets. Prophesy not unto us. Write things. Speak unto us. Smooth things. Prophesy deceits. Now, if you didn't know any better, perhaps you might be thinking that's in our own day. The people didn't want to hear the truth. They wanted to hear deception. They didn't want anything that would tell them something bad was going to happen. They wanted it. The edges smoothed off, you could say. Another verse we could look at is Jeremiah uh, chapter 14, verse 14. Jeremiah 14, verse 14, which reads... Then the Lord said unto me, the prophets prophesy lies in my name. I sent them not, neither have I commanded them, neither spake unto them. They prophesy unto you a false vision and divination and a thing of naught and the deceit of their heart. And Jeremiah 5 verse 31 to give us another flavor of what is going on at that time. Jeremiah chapter 5 verse 31. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means, and my people love to have it so. And what will ye do in the end thereof? This is the environment Baruch is in. He's been given an incredibly difficult message for a very, very stubborn generation. A generation that hates the truth and loves lies. It's astonishing. It, it, it doesn't make any sense, does it? To love something that is not true. But it's the state of the human heart, unfortunately. But what about our generation? Does our generation love truth? Does it value it? While we do not live in the year 604 BC and with Baruch, and we don't live with Jeremiah, very, very similar, isn't it? In many ways to the situation they had back then. We have the word of God in our generation. But do we love it? It is so easy to go into a Bible shop these days and buy a Bible. And there are countries around the world who would love. Risk their lives even to have a copy of the word of God in their own language. 
We are surrounded by resources and so many things to understand the word of God. But what does our generation do with it? Do we love it? Or have we become dismayed by it? The the reality of the situation is, when we see this generation that hates the truth, while some claim even to be people of God, It can cause genuine believers who love the Lord to become dismayed. For courage to flee away. And it can be discouraging. Without the word of God we are flying blind. We have no hope. A generation that rejects the warnings of the word. The loving warnings I might add. It's out of care. It's out of love. You you don't want to tell people things that upsets them. Usually people don't anyway. But we share the truth with people because we love them. We don't want to see them go on a road that leads to destruction. The only person that really should be dismayed is the unbeliever. But sadly, they're not. The believer has no real eternal reason to be dismayed. And we often have to remind ourselves about that. We have to remind ourselves that in the end... Christ is victorious and finishes and crushes the head of the serpent. And the final enemy, death, is defeated at the end of time. Only those who are continuing the rebellion should really be dismayed. Even though in Jeremiah's day, Warning after warning came. And it's the same in our own generation, isn't it? Warning after warning. Campaign after campaign. Tracks after tracks. And our generation seems to get harder and harder. But there's hope. But it's only found in one place. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the exposition of the situation, of the reality of What Baruch is hearing when he hears the word of God. It is not good news. And number two now. We're going to look at experience. Experience. So number one exposition. Number two. Experience. How did Baruch react to the situation? Verses two and verses three. Thus saith the Lord. The God of Israel. Unto thee O Baruch. Thou didst say. Woe is me now, for the Lord hath added grief to my sorrow. I fainted in my sighing, and I find no rest. And let us think about this. As we, we know the situation Baruch was going through, but look at the experience and the reaction of Baruch. Was it the right reaction? No. We'll see later that he was rebuked. By God. But before we get on to that, how many of us would act like Baruch here? How many of us, when the dark reality is laid before us, of what will face our loved ones without Christ, when, when we hear any kind of bad news, would we run to despair? It says in Ecclesiastes 1.18, For in much wisdom is much grief. And he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. 
Put it another way, often the more we know, it can be very heavy. It can be difficult. The reality of a situation can weigh heavy upon our hearts. And that's often the experience with God's people. We have the truth. It's been laid out before us. The more we as God's people learn, the more we can often sorrow. The more we can become dismayed. And that courage can fly away as it did in Baruch's situation. Now, what is interesting is the word of God is specifically addressed to Baruch. It says in verse 2, remind ourselves of this. Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, unto thee, O Baruch. Isn't that interesting? Personally pointing out Baruch. This specific word from God. Rebuking, we see now in verse 3, Baruch for saying this. And look what he says here, verse 3. Thou didn't say, you said, woe is me now. Imagine, you know, you get some people who will say to you, but you said, you, you know what you said. And it's, look. It's, woe is me now, for the Lord hath added grief to my sorrow. I fainted in my sighing, and I find no rest. The Lord is pointing out, do you know what you said? The courage has fled away from Baruch. And we can become dismayed just the same way Baruch did, because, and we can do this without realizing we've done it. We are finite creatures. We are... So we're weak. We, we struggle. We would, now, we would even say, I'm sure that times we did not do this, but let's think about this for a second. How often do we have situations in our lives we get angry at the situation? We don't really think we're getting angry with God, but who brought about that situation, that providence? It's God. Or perhaps you hear of a loved one being sick. And we can get angry that that situation is happening. Or because that dear loved one we've prayed about for years, they still haven't come to know the Lord. And we think we can get dismayed or frustrated with God and cry out, Woe is me now for the Lord and add grief to my sorrow. I fainted in my sighing and I find no rest. We can perhaps then even stop praying for whatever that thing we are praying about because we feel no rest. And we become dismayed and we drop our hands and the work ceases. Courage fades as our confidence in God phases. And we feel like giving up. Now in such a situation, when that happens, who's happy about it? Is God happy about it? Or is the devil? Who would like to see us discouraged? Who would like to see us give up and think, oh, look, you're wasting your time. The enemy loves to see us discouraged. The devil ultimately wants to see us discouraged. The Lord, his word, it really is Builds us up. When we see the promises towards God's people. They're there to encourage us. To realize that it is not based upon our own strength. Not by might. But by my power saith the Lord. It is God who makes 
the difference for the believer in Jesus Christ. It is Christ who has victory over the head of the serpent. Baruch, dismayed, is being corrected here. Corrected for going this way, for focusing on his own sorrows and blaming God. Now, I don't want to be too critical of Baruch here either. We've read the book of Jeremiah. Look at the opposition Jeremiah faced. How much hope did he get? How much support did he get outside of Baruch? Very, very little. Now this is not to excuse Baruch because he's being corrected. But almost to, in a way, sympathize. He needed correction and so do we all at times. So do we all at times. And it's, I'm not saying any of this is easy. It's not. This is why I'm saying that this is hard. Perhaps you here this evening are in a state of dismay. Perhaps you have, you're thinking, am I going to go to the prayer meeting this evening? And you dragged yourself here. Wondering, should I even go? You may have received bad news recently that has made you feel hopeless and powerless. Devastating news. Perhaps it's health news about a loved one or for yourself. Perhaps it's spiritual bad news about a a loved one in your family who's backslidden and gone away from the Lord. And perhaps you're not even sure if they're a believer. And you perhaps feel like giving up. God spoke directly to Baruch. And he speaks directly to every dismayed believer. The word of God is there as food. As nourishing, encouraging, blessing for the people of God. It is there to satisfy our hunger and our thirst. It is giving us Christ. The enemy would want you discouraged and to give up. But Christ comes alongside his beloved people. What does God say to Baruch? What does God say indeed to us all? Who are dismayed this day. Thus saith, shalt thou say unto him. This is verse 4. The Lord saith thus, behold... That which I have built, I break down. And that which I have planted, I will pluck up even this whole land. What is he saying? What is the Lord of hosts saying? I have built it. I have built it. I will bring it down. That bad news that you have today recently... And the Lord has taken something away from you. Remember the Lord also gave that thing to you in the first place. If you have bad health. The Lord has given you that health. For that time that you've had it for. The Lord giveth. The Lord taketh away. Now. Sometimes when we're going through trial and difficulty. We wonder is it God's wrath. Is God displeased with me. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. 
It can be chastisement. It can be correction. Maybe, but not always. In the book of Job, we see an example of of a godly person who goes through incredibly difficult times. He loses his property. He loses his children. He loses his health. Even his wife says to him, curse God and die. In the midst of all that, Job says this in Job 1, 21 to 22. Job 1, uh, 1, 21 to 22. And said, naked I came out of my mother's womb. And naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. That's not easy. In our flesh, we get frustrated with the providences of life. Life is difficult. It is hard. It is trying. We spend, most people in this world spend most of their life seeking to avoid pain and suffering of any description. The Christian life does not promise you an easy life. It doesn't. In some ways, your, prom- your problems have just begun. Because the world, the flesh, and the devil will be against you. However, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When, when we experience loss, when we experience the danger of losing things like Baruch did. Baruch was afraid of losing earthly possessions. We can become fearful. We can withdraw in our service of God to try to protect those things we possess. But it's the Lord who has given it to you and it is the Lord who will take it away. Those things we cling on to. We can't keep them. Whatever it is. Whatever we're we're so afraid of losing. One day it will be gone. We can't take it with us into the next world. It will be one day dust and ashes. We must cling to, in the midst of our difficult experience, the Lord. Even when we feel overwhelmed and dismayed. Now, you may feel you cannot cope. And dear friend, alone you can't cope. One of the things the Lord teaches us when he takes things away from us, when we, when we hit these lows or whatever the case may be, When he shows us that he takes away, he gave it to us in the first place. All these things he's showing us, we can't do it alone. We are not not self-sufficient, only God is. We must not remain in despair. It's a very real thing to face sadness. One of the things you have to learn when you're a young person is, no matter how you're feeling... No matter what you're going through, you have to continually put one foot in front of the next. To keep going. But it is hard without rest. Baruch feels like he can find no rest in verse 3. I fainted in my sighing and I find no rest. Remember the grief he's hearing. His home is going to be destroyed. 
everything. He's loved everything all around him. These great things referred to in verse 5, gone. This is absolutely devastating. The news he has heard and no doubt it would wear him down. There's grief at every turn. We may remember better days in our experience. We may read history books and remember the days of John Knox, Alexander Henderson, Samuel Rutherford, all these kind of men. And we may feel like losing courage, but remember this. We have the same human weaknesses they did. They were creatures. They're just flesh and blood. And we serve the same God they did. It was God who brought about the Reformation. And it's the same God today who can bring about revival today. And this brings us to our third point, expectation. Expectation. So we've looked at exposition, experience. Now we're going to look at expectation. Clearly Baruch was in the wrong. There's a correction here for Baruch. His ambition, his earthly ambition had clouded and distorted and hidden away heavenly, much greater ambitions, much greater things in heaven. Verse 5, and, and seekest thou great things for yourself? Seek them not, for behold, I will bring evil upon all flesh, saith the Lord, but thy life. Will I give unto thee for a prey in all places, whither thou goest? What was his hope? What was his expectation? And friends, when when it's taken away from us, we can often see what we were depending on. Now, yes, we will experience sadness when we lose things. When we lose loved ones, we should mourn. But our great hope and expectation is not in anything in this world it is in the only blessed God himself he is our expectation we are not told uh, in verse 5 here what these great things are we're not told Uh, it appears that Baruch came from a very privileged background and there can be great temptations the more comfort material comfort we have and in the west For a long time, compared to most of human history, we've lived as kings compared to most of human history. There can be great temptation to hope in the things of this world. John Brada Haddington said this about Baruch. He said, Baruch, having lost all probable aspiration to honor and wealth, and being in danger of his life, grew extremely depressed. There was danger to his life and he was going to lose his great privileged background. How he could see that Judah was going to be destroyed. Things were looking bleak. Uh, A year before that, Nebuchadnezzar becomes king of Babylon. Uh, The writing is on the wall. Humanly speaking, if Judah... Was their great hope, this physical piece of land and and the continuation of Jerusalem and other things like that. Then they had every reason to despair and be, be dismayed. 
But should Baruch have sought after great things? They're impressive to the world. They're very attractive things. Think of any of the things that you feel like, you know, in the midst of a fire. If there was a fire in the house and you wanted to grab something immediately. What are those things? Those things you can never do without. Maybe they have sentimental value. Maybe they're very, uh, very, you know, expensive things in your house. Whatever they may be. But what will they be one day? What would Judah be one day in the future? Jerusalem and its temple would be raised to the ground less than 20 years after this is written. Baruch sees the end of his beloved home. Where was his hope? People often mistake this word hope as well. Um, Sometimes if you're saying, "Will will it rain tonight? Well, I hope not. This is not the hope I speak of. The hope I speak of is an expectation that God will deliver us from eternal death. That God will do all that he says he will do. And what was the promise he tells Baruch? But thy life. He says, look, all these things, yes, will happen. All these evil things will happen. All these difficult things will will happen. But thy life. He says to Baruch, will I give unto thee. God's promises. God's are hope. You see, unlike the promises of idols, which have eyes but they see not, ears have they but they hear not. Noses of they, but they smell not. We know this from Psalm 115. They don't do what they promise. God does exactly what he promises to do and never, ever fails. There's an expectation we're to have in God. And to be delivered from dismay, to refine our courage once again, to return to the point we pick up our hands and continue the work. It's in having our expectation And the promises of God. That that would remove our doubts and our fears. Remedy ailments such as dismay. You see, was the promise of hope to Baruch here? Don't worry Baruch, everything will be okay. Sometimes we can be maybe a bit glib like that. Ah, don't worry about it, it'll be fine. We can all do this at times. No, not for Judah. But look away from these great things. This great wealth of yours. Look to God who will deliver you. That's the same for us today. There may be death and destruction around us. We live in a fallen world. But God will deliver us from eternal death. And bring us to an eternal home. And bring us to an eternal rest. Baruch could find no rest. He says. In his experience. But we find an eternal rest in Christ. It says this in 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. Beloved now, as we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope or this expectation in him purifieth himself even as he is 
pure. Christians, we are to be a people of hope. And once that hope fades, it's when we become dismayed. When that hope disappears, it's when the dismay and the enemy is waiting. He is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he preys upon dismayed and discouraged Christians. Now when we see dismay, we see a brother or sister in Christ in dismay and struggling. We may just say to him, pat him on the back and just say, just get over it. It's not so simple, is it? And if you're dismayed today, you're going to wrestle with it. You're going to struggle with it. Our lives are not so simple. But we must not look to earthly ambition. We must look to heavenly ambition. And our lives will be given unto us for a prey. We'll lose our life in this world. But when we die, we will go into the presence of Almighty God. And he will say to us who are in Christ, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You see, dear friends, we can't go on in our own strength. You can't. You need comfort. When you walk on your way to the celestial city, you're going to have aches and pains and you're going to feel, feel weary and you're going to feel like giving up. You need healing balm. You need the soothing, comforting voice of the shepherd of our souls. You need Christ. We don't just need Christ at the beginning of our walk. We need him at the beginning. The middle and the end. And we need him for all eternity. And for all eternity. There will be no dismay. There will be. Nothing but the pure joy. And confidence. And satisfaction. And the presence of almighty God. For all eternity. Amen.